Hi everyone, welcome back to the STEM Talks podcast. So for this episode, I'd like to reintroduce myself. I am Camille and I'm joined by a very special co-host, Rihanna. Hi Rihanna. Hi. Thanks so much for joining in this episode. Before we start, I do want to ask a question, Rihanna. So I'm not sure if the rest of our listeners would know, but you're a STEM student, right? But I guess my question now is, would you consider yourself as an athlete or parang sporting type? Ganon. Actually, yes, I do. I consider myself really sporty. I was part of our swimming team when I was younger and I even competed. But then I realized uh, or maybe had that epiphany that I preferred playing the badminton more. So I actually switched <laughs> and trained as a badminton player instead. Although with the when high school around grade 10, it's super hectic. So I had to sort of stop. But yeah, I love playing sports and I really get a good grasp when I learn a new sport. So yes, I consider myself a sporty person. That's good. I feel like this episode will be something that you're super interested in. I can't say I am sporty. But I do have a lot of friends who are interested in sports and are athletes. But yeah, I guess that's a good mix tonight, no? Because this episode's topic is, yeah, it's very universal. And I think a lot of young and old can relate. So as you know, parang here in STEM plus PH, diba, we always strive to make STEM relevant. And tying STEM to real-life applications such as sports is something that's super exciting. So you can make learning connections behind shooting a basketball or identify your angle and swing when you hit the golf ball, right? Or even going as far as applying Newton's loss of motion when bowling. But of course, you won't calculate that on the spot, right? But I guess these are just some of the examples that demonstrates how STEM is actually woven into every sport and even athletic competition. And we see here that sports is now more than just a game of showing strength and agility. It's also a science. So for this episode, we've invited Dr. Zina Hernandez, a physical therapist specializing in treating orthopedic cases, functional fitness athletes, and even Olympic weightlifters. She is also the physical therapist of Filipino weightlifter and Olympic gold medalist Heidel Diaz. So we're super excited to discuss how science has helped athletes such as Heidelin succeed and really get to learn more about physical therapy with our discussion with Dr. Zina. So hi, Dr. Zina. Thanks for joining us in this episode. Hi. Thank you again for having me, Camille and Rihanna. It really is my pleasure just having to chit-chat with you folks and just really connecting with you younger people back at home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to start with, you know, I kind of want to get into more of what about you, right? So to start, could you walk us through your journey or your career journey in the field of physical therapy? Perhaps you can highlight your career milestones in, in that path that you're in. Sure. So I want to start by introducing myself. Um, again, my name is Zina. I'm a clinic owner in Brooklyn, New York. 
and I was born and raised in the Philippines. I grew up in Iloilo City and I migrated to the United States in 2013 to pursue my career in physical therapy and of course to be with my family. Career highlights. I just want to point out that growing up, I didn't grow up sporty. I was on the debate team. <laughs> nor did I play any sports. Maybe I played a little bit of basketball, but but really it was just really a bunch of running around. <laughs> but anyways, um, when I moved to the United States, uh, I really, really wanted to make opportunities for myself. So uh, I submitted my resume to every place you can think of. And to be honest, for the first year of my career, no one was replying. So what I ended up doing was actually applying for a neuro uh, neuroscience residency in NYU. So I interviewed, it was like a whole day process, and then they didn't give me the residency. Oh no. <laughs> so but what was really cool, what was really cool is that they offered me a job. They liked my presentation so much. They liked the people, uh, the managers like how I approach things. And then that's how I, I got my first gig, which was really, really fortunate because it was a great, great center, which offered mentorship. That's, so, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, which was really exciting. So I guess the first thing is, especially in STEM, there are so many opportunities that you can take your career to. Um, and it is a matter of really creating opportunities for yourself, especially doors are closed. Don't stop knocking. The whole time, because I was I migrated from the Philippines, I had not a lot of friends, not a lot of community. So that's how I found myself joining a CrossFit gym and I started running. Throughout this process as well, I started getting injured. So you take someone who has no physical background, who has no athletic background, who now starts throwing around barbells and starts running 10 miles, over 10 miles. So that's how then I got interested more in orthopedics. It was very selfish of me, actually. I wanted to learn for myself and I wanted to get better in, in all these sporting activities that I was joining in. So yeah, that's how then I, coming from like a neuro uh, neuro specialization and really developing stuff for NYU's cardiac department where there was a point where we presented nationally for our policies. I then ended up pivoting and shifting and sort of getting my focus into orthopedics, which was quite exciting, especially let's say for all my folks there who are interested in becoming a physical therapist or an exercise physiologist, you can take your career uh, in different direction depending on what 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 interests you. And then from there, just really focusing from neuro to cardio, now to orthopedics, I ended up opening my own clinic. <laughs> and it all started because again, you know, I, I was looking for community. And the whole time while I was trying to serve myself, I ended up serving my community as well because I ended up being the physical therapist of my friends who were weightlifting, who were running. And I guess that's my story in a nutshell. From there, we ended up treating recreational weightlifters to our very own friend who's who was competing in the Olympics to our, even our local lifters who compete nationally here in the States. So, nakakatawa lang. <laughs> yeah, Doc Zina, you mentioned you're running a clinic now, right? Correct. 
has that been or at least physical therapy is that something that you've planned out your life for like did you envision yourself okay i do wanna when you were younger i do wanna pursue this i want to open up a clinic i want to you know you know the specifics of what you're doing now is that something that you've always wanted I think no one ever grows up and says, "Oh, I want to be a physical therapist." <laughs> you know, parang yung normal na gusto ko maging doctor, gusto yes, ko maging lawyer. Yeah. Um, but to uh, to be honest, I really got my exposure uh, to physical therapy one with my grandfather who had a stroke, and then two with uh, with my mom who was just like, "You have to be a physical therapist. They're the best people. They're so fun." Oh, so yeah. And then with the clinic, I, I never was like, oh, I want to be a clinic owner. I think it really, ste- <laughs> it really stemmed out of the need of my friends needing good physical therapy, a physical therapist who understands sports, a physical therapist who understands sporting needs of folks who just don't want to rest when they're when they're injured. Yeah. So I just want to ask. Since I feel like there's been a lot of misconceptions about physical therapy and sports science, so can you maybe like tell us more what each is and their differences and why, of course, you chose this path? Thanks, Rihanna. So I would I want to start by saying when we're looking at sports science or exercise physiology versus physical therapy, I would want to say that there are more similarities than differences. Both implore exercise to facilitate adaptations for people needing recovery or prevention of sickness. I think the biggest differences when it comes to physical therapy is we often treat individuals who have suffered from injuries, who have movement disabilities, or, or, or folks who are older. While exercise science is more preventative uh, and it aims to treat typically individuals who are not in pain or have specific limitations, although there are specific, um, specific uh, branches in exercise science who do help people with phys- uh, physical disabilities, but that they also work with us physical therapists. I hope I answered your question. Yes, yes. Also, in terms of assessment, right, if you take a look at both body of science, exercise physiologists really take a look at biomechanics, physics in terms of exercise. Also, you can take that branch of strength and conditioning. It belongs to exercise physiology. While we PTs, let's say, for instance, we do an assessment, we really take a look at movement sensitivities or injuries, and then we facilitate healing through helping people get back their movement. And then from the, la- the latter part, medyo pwede na siyang ipasa sa ating mga experts na exercise physiologists or coaches. So if you also take a look at it in a spectrum, right? Parang andito yung mga PT, someone got injured acutely, at the start of their rehab, nag recover sila. And then while they're getting better, at the end of the spectrum, you can find our experts in sports science, our experts in exercise physiology, and experts in strength and conditioning. So I think to summarize it, we all live in a continuum where we're, we're bringing exercise to people to get them better. It's just, it's different stages. Or 
we can work together depending on what the goal is. That's that's really interesting. I always get confused with the two concepts. I usually interchange them, but now it's yeah. a lot clearer. Thank you. I think it makes sense why you're confusing them as well, because as an entity, we use the same things. I also think the biggest thing is that with PTs, we're allowed to touch people. We're allowed to implore manual therapy. So I think that's a big distinct- distinction as well. So, Dr. Zeno, would it be right to call like physical therapists? No, they're therapists. No, they're not coaches technically. Like you mm-hmm. don't implement a strength and like you don't implement a particular. Hmm, how do I say it? Like, it's different because coaches are more like most functional training, Basha. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to understand also. Oh. No, I think that's really, that's a fantastic question, right? So especially in my field where I'm specializing in treating athletes, not all physical therapists are well-versed in strength and conditioning principles. So what I had to do in my job is to extend my continuing education. I had to study, I had to like attend these courses. I had to get certified as a strength and conditioning coach. So from a curriculum standpoint, PTs really focus on recovering from injury. Not all PTs are well-versed in strength and conditioning. And that's why it is important that these two folks talk if if it is needed to help a client or an athlete. However, you know, if let's say you're an athlete as well, it is important that you do find a PT who is well-versed in implementing sort of like a strength and conditioning program. Uh, a PT who knows, let's say, especially if your sport is weightlifting or anything that requires strength and conditioning, which is everything anyways, that they know what is, what a squat is, what a deadlift is, what what what's a push press, etc. Right, right. So it's more like it's really a whole gamut of discipline or like fields basically yes like sports basically and especially when you're um working with athletes right and i guess that kind of is related to the next question now more focused on stem and you know sports and athletes Mm -hmm. how do you think can stem help athletes with like what's the science behind Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, basically that. Yeah. <laughs> so the way I think about it is I think about it in two prongs, right? You want to develop an athlete's engine and you also want to develop the driver. So you have the car, you have the driver. From a sports science standpoint, you can help maximize physical performance by maximizing physical preparation. They have to be, they have to be strong. They have to be endurant. They have to have power. And all of this, right, you can develop all of these characteristics you can develop through a solid program. Additionally, if done appropriately, if yung dosing nila, yung dosing natin para sa mga atleta natin, we're not overtraining them, we're just giving them the right amount of stimulus so that they can get these adaptations, we can decrease their risk for injury. So let's say, see, si, see si one, na. Nag-strength and conditioning siya, meron siyang proper program developed by an exercise physiologist, a physical therapist, whatever title you want to give. 
then when they play, they, they play longer and they don't have more off-court time because they're not getting injured. The more you're injured, the more you're not playing. Then uh, when you're not playing, hindi ka nagiging mahusay or you can't be good when you're an athlete if you're off the court, right? So you can also get them to a place where they're just playing more, they're stronger, they're more powerful, and then therefore they're performing and they're winning. So that's one part of it, developing their engine. Second part, well, well so that's a sports science, uh, a sports science part, uh, exercise physiology part. There's also nutrition, right? So if you think about a well-oiled engine, uh, that's there's nothing if hindi sila well-fed or they don't have the proper fuel. So. Ideally, you want an athlete to also see a sports nutritionist who is well-versed in making sure that an athlete is making their macros. And when I say macros, we're talking about carbohydrates, protein, and fats. And typically, athletes do need specific individual measurements for these macros in order for them to perform at their best and also recover. So if you're recovering, you're building muscle, which is super important as well, again, for performance. And then lastly, uh, there's the psychology part, right? So there, that that's where the driver comes in. You can have the best car in the world, but if, let's say, your driver has little motivation or is crumbling under pressure, because all our athletes are so much pressure to win, right? If they then they might not win as well. So. That's where our sports psychologists comes in, where they help our athletes develop mental toughness. They help our athletes process things that may be, you know, out of their control. Especially, we can't forget they're people first, right? So there might be things that they're, that's going on in their life that may be affecting whatever their uh, uh, their psyche, which can then affect their performance. So having a sports psychologist is actually really, really important as well, especially when the stakes are high. So yeah, those are three different ways STEM can help athletes. I think it's it's so easy to say lang, oh, kailangan mo ng coach, kailangan mo ng program. But if you take a look at it holistically, STEM is actually in every part of athletic development. Right. Would you say though, Doc, would you say that athletes in general know a lot about sports science or the science behind like all this, like you mentioned, kailangan my sports nutritionist, my sports psych, and all. Like, would you say athletes are, they know that or they're given access to that? Oh, oh, that's a really good question, Camille. Um, sometimes they do, but more often than not, yung, it's more of bro science. <laughs> yung sabi ng katabi niya. Ang <laughs> 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 sabi you know so I think there there is an important there is an importance in making sure that our athletes do have access to actual evidence-based science where we know things really work and we know that it's been proven right so like let's say for instance um, what's a good row science uh, Wag kang maligo after ng sporting events mo, kasi mapapas mo ka. right? So that doesn't. That's not science. It's not evidence based, right? So I think <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say yeah, I was gonna say guilty. <laughs> yeah, but it's true, <laughs> right? I, I think 
people forget about these things, but to be honest, it's it's pervasive, and also it's cultural, which is not bad. But what I'm saying is, it, is it evidence based? So there's not a lot of evidence around it. I'm not saying it's it's false, but when we're trying to let's say maximize performance, you want to bet on the thing that has been proven. Right, right. Now I kind of ha- want to like take a spin on it, Doc. Parang, sure. Are there or more personal or more experiential parang, question? Would you be able to share some stories of success with some athletes you work with? Now you saw na okay, making sure that all these aspects, all all the science behind sports, this particular athlete was able to like use or maximize. No need to name drop, perhaps, but like <laughs> is that like baka there's an anecdote that you can share with us or any experience or yourself yeah, sure. even? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So technically, I can't name drop because right. that is against HIPAA law. Right. Right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but anyway, so I'll give you an example. Um, we have a national level lifter who has been complaining of back pain nonstop. So what we did was we this per- and mind you, this person is able to squat double body weight crazy amount of, of strength but we we took a look at under the hood right so you do your assessment because that's science-based na, na approach diba? so we took a look at their uh we we took a look at we took a look at under the hood we did our assessment and what we did was if you follow literature if you follow science right now Science tells us that you may at you may be at a higher risk for back pain if you one have poor back endurance and there's a specific number to it. Let's say you have less than 90 seconds of a Sorensen of back endurance, or if you're not fit, or if your lower ab endurance is also low. So yun yung evidence based na nagsasabi sa na oh you might be at a higher risk for back injuries or back pain. So we took a look at this person's back endurance, and this person's back endurance was 44 seconds. And science told us that if your if your back endurance is less than 60 seconds, may mas matas yung mo. So what we did, yun 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 yung assessment namin. Then we gave an intervention, right? We gave an intervention where we're improving this person's back endurance through various dif- uh, different exercises. I talked to this person's coach. I was like, hey, you know what? This is what we found. I think this is why you're having back pain and you're running into this trouble. This is what you should do. This is a program that you should do. This is how you should modify your program. What do you think? Um, and we ended up solving this person's back pain by by improving their back endurance because it's evidence-based, which was really, really exciting because, you know, we're training. We're, we're training. Um, we just did an international competition and now we're getting ready for the Olympics. Um, for 2024, so or I hope chakto yung date, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I actually really relate that to what you said about like the three aspects because like I remember when I was training before and I really remember that we had conditioning, we had to do this, we had to do that, and well, I wasn't. Fully versed about all these aspects, but now I really understand the reasons to why I was doing it, and 
I just really got to appreciate it talaga. But speaking of, you're currently situated in the United States. You're in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, so I just like to ask, how different is the sports training in other countries compared to the Philippines? Do you say that we'd have an advantage or a disadvantage? In terms of differences in training, uh, I do know that for our athletes back at home, we are employing strength and conditioning principles. I can say with weightlifting that is happening. I am not sure with other uh, other sports. Um, I could talk about it a little bit when I was back in school, but I don't know if it, that's going to be relevant because matandaan na ako. However, uh, here, here you can also see disparities with, with with sporting events here, particularly, particularly in different parts of the country in, in the United States. Some do employ strength and conditioning principles, particularly with men. However, they imp- implement that poorly with women, which is why you can see there are more women who are tearing their ACLs or getting injured playing soccer. So we are getting there as a society as a whole. However, we do we do see that there are gaps in training in particular 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 group of people, which is important. I, I think it's important that we talk about it as well. So yeah. So having said that, what changes would you say would be helpful for our athletes here in the Philippines to be able to train better and be more prepared for the competitions that they'll be part of? I, I really do strongly believe that each sporting team or, or sporting event should have a strength and conditioning coach, a physical therapist, or and if available, a, a sports nutritionist or a sports psychologist. It really does take a village to help people win and keep people safe while they're playing at their best. So it, if we have the resources, I would love to see that, especially in the professional setting. And I think in the professional setting that's happening, but yung semi-pro ba? Um, that way we can really maximize our potential as, as athletes and as people. And if we do want that uh, international advantage, we do want to invest in these resources because we know it works. Right. I Very quickly, Dr. Zina, I kind of picked yeah. up on what you were sharing also a while ago, how I think you kind of, I mean, of course, our listeners won't see your, vid- your video, but you kind of lit up when you talked about evidence-based sports, basically, right? And I think, like, how it is in the Philippines... I mean, general. I'm not in the in the industry, no man, kasi. But, parang, I like how you phrase now. We really have to invest in sports, also, and it's not just like if I'm an athlete, I just have like a kabarkada who, you know, helps me with it. Because it's yeah. really a village. It takes a village, right? There's so many aspects to what an athlete is, and it's not just the strength part, right? And yeah. I also like how you added. What's this? A lot of the science that we know, or a lot of the evidence that we know about sports, is based on like experiences of men. So there's not much um, research yet um, that would be more relevant to women, right? So that's something also that like 
kind of I, I took note of it. I said, wow, that's something that we have to invest in and really look into more. I I think it's super important. If you take a look at research, before back in the day, they were blim they were literally pointing uh, women's anatomy and and anatomy in terms of why were were women getting hurt, right? Some people used to say, oh, oh, masakit yung tuhog mo kasi malaki yung belakang mo. Pero it's not true. If you take a look at evidence right now, we know that women. Even though you're, we call it Q angle in physiology and in, in anatomy. Even though you have a wider Q angle, your risk is higher because you are not trained, because you are not getting the strength and conditioning that men are getting. So I think it is important that we debunk these myths before we just jump into push. Oh, I say, oh, ganito na. That's what's going to happen to you forever, which is not true. You can be all shapes and sizes. You can be a man. You can be a woman. But you can actually get into the pinnacle of your performance if you we implore these science-based uh, interventions. Sorry, sa mga malaki yung balakang. Don't get me. Sorry from old science, yung bad science, not from me. I, I like it. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really nice that we like talk about how. Sports is for everyone, and it's not just for a certain group of people. Because some, because I guess that's not true. It's really not true. Because for anything, really, everyone can take part. It. It's nice to know that even in sports, especially that I think a lot of people would maybe want to be athletic or would want to try and do sports. They can do it no matter what. So. Moving on, I'd also like to ask, how can we better integrate sports and sports and STEM actually in academics or maybe in school curriculums or just be able to spread that people and students can really do sports no matter what. So from my own experience, I do think we do have good exposure in in athletics, right? Or even a little bit in strength and conditioning coming from our physical education classes. I think not a lot of people do get an opportunity in experiencing different sports, though. Uh, I think at least for me, when I was growing up, I grew up really poor. So hindi ako exposed, hindi ako swimming kasi mahal yung swimming. So I think, you know, there. even though we have, like, uh, exposure in, in, in STEM and in, in physical education, I do think that there is still lack of access in, in different sporting activities because inherently some sports are just harder to access, like, like swimming or, let's say, like tennis, as they require, I guess, more resources. So... If we have better access, especially in schools where, you know, where people are not so well off, particularly, parang hugot ko no, particularly swimming. <laughs> um, I think I, I think we can develop more athletes as a country if if, if uh, we we have access to the, these sporting activities. So. Yeah, I agree with that, Dr. Zina. Parang it's more on diversifying that. So one is access, right? But also yeah. diversifying na not 
not that basketball is bad, but usually the ball, like Pinoy, Correct. we know basketball, we know volleyball, right? But that's it. Basic, yeah, that's it. So it's also diversifying that and like giving options also to Filipinos. Na hey, um, sports is more than just basketball and volleyball, but there's yep. also other other sports and other like fields that are involved in that. Even if you're not like an athlete like myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's really important and imagine all that untapped potential or or talent that we're, we're not accessing because people just don't know about it or have never heard or have tried it. Right. So are you saying, Doc, that I have untapped potential? Perhaps. <laughs> well, Most I like likely, Camille. <laughs> I, I answered my own question. But anyway, um, I guess I think that's all for the questions that we have in this episode. But I guess to close it, we'd like to ask Dr. Zina if you could give like a message to young Filipinos who are interested in pursuing a career in perhaps physical therapy. Yeah. To everyone who is interested in physical therapy, know that there are so many different branches of physical therapy that you can try and see if it if you are passionate about it. There are so many opportunities, not only here in the States, but also back home in order not to just help people who are sick or people who are older, but also high-performing athletes who, who need a physical therapist who understands their sporting needs. So um, I'm super excited for you folks who are graduating, who are taking their boards or who are just taking their undergrad because um, we are we, we're just starting as a field. And now a lot of people see our value, especially with in terms of what we can bring in terms of science, uh, science based and evidence based performance. So keep at it. Keep shining. Um, that's it. Great. Thanks so much, Dr. Zina. And thank you, of course, Rihanna, for joining in this episode. That's all for this episode. Of course, we have a lot more topics in the next episodes. But yeah, I just want to invite everyone to all to listen again when we have our next episode here at STEM Talks. Make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast as well as our Facebook page, STEM Plus PH. And you can also follow our Instagram at underscore STEM PH for more updates. So make sure to tag us when you share our episodes. So thanks again, everyone. Thanks, Doc Zina. Thanks, Rihanna. And see you in our next episodes. STEM Talks is powered by STEM Plus PH, the flagship program of UNAB Foundation. Make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast as well as our Facebook page, STEM Plus PH or at stemph.rocks. You can also follow our Instagram at underscore stemph for more updates. Make sure to tag us when you share our episodes and use the hashtags stemph, stemfi, and stemphrocks. We can't wait to stemify the future of the Philippines with you.